All right, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. I want to speak for just a few moments this morning on the theme, Mankind's Greatest Need. Mankind's greatest need is forgiveness. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you now and and we ask for your help. God, I thank you for being a prayer-answering God, a mighty God, infinite in power, perfect in your person, Uh, Lord, we worship you today as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God, there's nothing that you cannot do. You're you're everywhere present and all-powerful, and you overturned something in America that many like me just didn't think would happen. And Father, it did, and you've answered our prayers, and so we give you praise and honor and glory for that. I pray, Father, that you would have mercy upon our nation. I pray that people who are deceived, uh, deceived by the devil into different things that we preach against, Father, that their eyes would be opened, that they would know that there's forgiveness, full and free forgiveness for anyone who will come by way of the cross and come in the name of Jesus asking for forgiveness of sins. I pray, Father, that that would be the message of this church. Our message is a message of forgiveness for sins and uh, eternal life that follows. And I pray, Father, that you just bless now in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, mankind's greatest need, when we think of what uh, humanity is facing, and we think of all these issues, you know, these big issues that we're involved in, uh, and we think of what's going on in our country, and we might think about politics, we might think about uh, the the recession that uh, we're probably already in, and Uh, We might think about looking at uh, another coming uh, depression. When we think about all these things, and what is mankind's greatest need, and mankind's greatest need is still the forgiveness of sins. Surely, we understand this, right? I mean, with the forgiveness of sins comes eternal life, but we're, we're dealing with a God who is holy, who is pure, who is perfect, who is just and righteous and who judges righteously and brings down judgment upon fallen mankind. What would we need as being sinful creatures under God in our nation? We need more than anything. We need forgiveness of sins. And it needs to be known. We need to make this message known that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There's forgiveness, full forgiveness, free forgiveness of all sins. You know, we think about abortion and we think that that is a terrible sin and and it is. But it's not beyond the forgiveness and the grace of God. We think about uh, lesbianism, uh, gay Uh, bisexual, transgender, and whatever else plus that they come up with. 
And we think that this is just the worst. These things are dirty and you couldn't get any more sinful. And we might say that. We might think that. But is it beyond the grace of God? Is it, is it so bad that it can't be forgiven? No, it can be forgiven. But we're dealing with a God who is holy. Who is just. That means that God will make the right call. When God sits on His judgment throne, when God judges, it will not be a biased judgment. You can't buy Him off. It will be a fair and a just trial. We just read in Sunday school this morning in our study in the book of Acts about Ananias and Sapphira. And they came in to bring their offering, an early apostolic church meeting, and they were taking up a special offering for the poor saints. They were living in a communal situation. And Ananias and Sapphira sold their possessions, sold their lands, and came in with the earnings from this, and they pretended like they had brought everything when they only brought, they kept a part back. But they lied to the Holy Ghost saying, we're giving everything. And they wanted to make it out, make a big show in front of everybody about how giving they were and selfless they were. And it was a lie. And just like that, just like that, Ananias dropped dead before the Apostle Peter and the Holy Ghost. God wasn't playing around. He wasn't playing games. This was serious business. And God dropped a man just like that for lying about a real estate deal. Think what would happen to all the car salesmen that attend church in, in, in America this morning. If God did that in church services this morning. But you see, God was making a point, And his wife came in three hours later. And Peter interrogated her. And he said, did you sell it for such and such an amount? And she lied to Peter and lied to the Holy Ghost too. And they buried her out in the church cemetery, so to speak. Why? Because God is holy. God is just. He will judge sin, even in the lives of believers, like Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't lose their salvation. They died and went to heaven. But their lives were cut short because God judged sin. Mankind's greatest need is to have forgiveness of sins because we're dealing with a holy God. So he says here, if we confess our sins, confession meaning to admit your sins. Now, we're not supposed to confess our sins to a man. We're supposed to confess our sins to God in the name of Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But we're to admit, to acknowledge our sin before God. Now, I'm preaching this message primarily to people who are unbelievers. Primarily, this is a gospel message this morning. And what I'm telling you is that in order to be saved, is you have to come before God as a broken, penitent, humbled sinner, empty-handed, in my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy, to thy cross I cling. Empty-handed. You're not coming to God saying, God, I have this to offer. I'm coming to offer the efforts of my own life. I'm coming to offer an example of my own goodness. This is the product of my own self-effort, Lord. This is what I have for you. 
But that's what's going on in a lot of religions around the world. Because people have caught on to this. Let me, let me ask you something. If there is no God who created us as conscious beings and aware that we have a creator, if that's not the case, if we just were brought into this world by chance and we're just a happy accident and there is no creator God, no intelligent designer, if that's the case, then why is it all over the world we have all kinds of religions all over the world who have they have acknowledged that there is a God and they're trying to put a name and a face to Him and trying to come up with some kind of a system to please this God because as they look around them, it's obvious. I mean, whether we're talking about you know, the other, uh, other two thirds of the world, we're talking about Hindus or talking about Buddhism or Taoism or any one of the, uh, the, the religions of the Indians that were here in the North Continent of America, before we got here, and the, any one of the spiritual religions, why is it that they all believe that there is a God and they all get this idea like, I think I'm in trouble with Him and there's something I have to do in order to please Him. And so they come up with different things that they have to do. You have to climb a mountain, burn some incense, talk to a statue. We've got to appoint some kind of priest uh, over this kind of thing. And, and uh, there's got to be some rules that we have to follow. And you have to be a good person and so on and so forth. And so they hope that, that they'll, they'll eventually reach some kind of point of nirvana or somehow that when they die, their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds and they'll be reincarnated in a better situation. But why is it that these things are happening? It's because we're created to have a self-conscience and we're created aware that there is a God that we have to deal with. We're, we're, we're aware of that. And so I'm telling you that you have to come to God as a sinner, not with any product of your own self-effort, but empty-handed. Just acknowledging, confessing that you are a sinner. Have you ever come to God Confessing, God, I am a sinner. And, and then listing off your sins. Confessing your sins. Admitting these things. Have you done it? Have you? Not the person that you came to church with, but you. Have you done it? That's the first step. If a person doesn't realize that they're sinners, that they're a sinner, if they they can't admit it, you can't be saved. Because Jesus Christ died to save sinners. Why must we confess our sin? Because, listen to this, listen to me as I try to reason with you. Because it's God's right to direct you to confess your sins to Him. Don't miss that. It's God's right to direct us to confess our sins to Him. You say, what do you mean? As a parent, with children in my home, dependents in my home, it's my right, you understand, as a parent, my position is different than theirs. It's my right to demand to those children that have done wrong, you have to acknowledge what you've done. I want to hear you say it. I want, you to un- I want to know that you understand what you did that was wrong. I want you to admit it to me. 
And if you did something against me, I want you to apologize to me. You see, it's my right as a parent. That's what parents do. They hold children accountable, right? You have to admit what you did was wrong. That's the first step of making it right. That's my right as a parent. It's God's right over you because he created you. Because he is the father of all in one sense. He created all mankind. You're made in the image of God. Therefore, he has a right to hold you to this and direct you to tell you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to confess your sin. If you say that you have not sinned, we make him a liar. And by the way, would you look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 8? We think it's pretty steep what Ananias and Sapphira did, you know, in lying to the Holy Ghost. They could have come there that day and they could have said, look, Peter, we sold our property, but we wanted to keep a portion of it for ourselves. We've got a plan for that. We want to give the rest to the church. There would have been no problem because that would have been honest. The problem was the lie. And listen, we think, we think this. We think this because we're dishonest creatures. We're fallen, sinful creatures. We think this, that a lie is not a big deal. Right? Why would God just drop them just like that in a worship service? Why would they carry their bodies, at and, bodies out and bury them like that? Because God is holy and God will judge sin. And things that you and I think are little sins... Oh, God will overlook that and he'll let me go to heaven anyways. You're dreaming. You're dreaming and you haven't read the Bible. Get to know the God of the Bible. For example, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving. Fearful, that's a person that's afraid of what might happen if you believe on Jesus Christ. The unbelief that, that results from the fear of man. Or how it might change your life. You're afraid. The abominable. That's the LGBTQ. And plus, murderers. That's the abortion mills. And worse, whoremongers. Sorcerers. That's drug use, folks. It's translated from a Greek word, pharmakia, where we get our word pharmacy. It's talking about drug use to elicit a spiritual response in the act of worship. It's drug use. People who are selling drugs, using drugs. Idolaters. Putting any, just ignoring God and worshiping something else or giving your attention and love to something else other than God. Liars. You see that? All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, even liars end up in the lake of fire because we're dealing with a God who is holy, who is just, who will judge and punish sin. My point is this. God has a right to direct us to confess our sins because God doesn't want anybody to go to the lake of fire. God wants people to come by belief and faith in Jesus Christ, confessing their sins to get it taken care of. To get it taken care of. But this whole business of thinking, well, my sins aren't that bad and, and uh, I'll be all right. You're dreaming. You better wake up. Because that's not what the Bible says. 
God's got a right to do it. He set up standards by which these things are judged. Sin. The standards are the Ten Commandments. Do you love God with all your heart? With all your soul? Do you acknowledge Him every day? Do you give Him thanks? Do you praise Him? Have you worshipped Him? Or have you just pretty much just ignored Him and pretend like He doesn't see what you're doing? He doesn't hear what you're saying. You go throughout life as if there is no God practically as an American. Or maybe you're fooling around with Eastern religions and witchcraft and things like that. What is that but to ignore God and to break the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see? Just on the first commandment, we are all guilty. Because I've never loved God with my whole heart, my whole soul and mind and strength. I never loved God before I got saved. He tells us things like this. He says, Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. Have you ever disobeyed your mom? You ever hit one of your parents? Or cursed at them? Well, you're guilty of dishonoring your parents. You ever lied to your parents? That's dishonoring your parents. Have you ever taken God's name in vain, used his name as a curse word? to express filth and disgust, like the guy from Living Water says. It's a good ex- explanation. To express filth and disgust. Use God's name in vain. I heard our president do it several times. I heard an attorney do it when we were listening in on, on the uh, case involving the foster children that we have. The attorney was uh, doubting the, the pure intentions of the house of Samuel and saying that they were biased as a Christian organization. And then afterwards, just to kind of just jab us, he said, oh, J.C., took the Lord's name in vain. Just a filthy... But you know what? Listen, that's just the devil. The devil inside of him, the devil back of him. But listen, that's, he's not without excuse. And neither are you if you've ever taken the Lord's name in vain. As a child, I'm glad... Now, I was guilty of many other sins, okay? But I was glad. I, I, my dad told me one time, I think I said, oh, gosh, or oh, geez. And my dad explained to me that those are just derivatives of the real thing. And he said, don't you ever take the Lord's name in vain. I wasn't saved. Nowhere close to it. I wouldn't get saved for years later. But he said, don't ever take the name of the Lord in vain. God said he will not hold you guiltless if you take his name in vain. So right there, I was just like, okay. And my other friends would do it, and I'd be like, uh, I'm not, not going to say that. And I never did. My dad put that into me early. Now, he was teaching me to work my way to heaven, but that's another matter. But that's a serious sin. That's, he gives us standards by which we can judge these things and know that we are sinners. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's messing around with someone outside of your marriage. We're outside of holy matrimony. Uh, Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already in your heart because it's intent. Man, if I could get a hold of her, this is what I would do if she was interested in me. Or these days, it's the opposite. It might be a guy lusting after another guy. That's still sin. That means looking at pornography. You're guilty of breaking the commandment, thou shalt not commit Adultery. You see, you ever stolen anything? Even the smallest thing. 
You're guilty. God gives us these standards. Now, why does he do this? Why? Why? Because you belong to him and I belong to him. He's trying to help us. It's it's his right. Every soul, he says, every soul is mine. And he says, it's my right to direct you to confess your sins. Therefore, I'm going to help you to understand what sins are so you can confess them. You can confess them, get them under the blood. They're gone, man. They're canceled out. Mankind is absolutely desperate to get away from God and to just ignore that he's even there. Isn't that what has been happening in our country uh, through, through all of the 20th century? It's just been this big movement to get away from God, to deny his existence, to make sure in schools that, that God is not taught, to take God out of the national conscience of the people, ignore him, to make, it, to make people feel pressured in a public situation to even mention the name of Jesus Christ. That is persecution. That's persecution. To make people feel like if I mention the name of Jesus Christ or if I witness to my coworker, I could lose my job. That's intimidation. To, if, I, if I express my views in an in a institution of learning that I could lose my job, that's persecution. That's intimidation. You see, mankind is desperate to get away from God. To get away from this idea that God created us. Listen, if we are, if we are just a matter of accident and, and evolution, then what's wrong with abortion? Nothing. What's wrong with somebody coming in here and opening up on us? A woman, what's wrong with a woman coming in here and running around half naked, you know, like, like she's half crazy out of some kind of a, you know, a protest against what we believe. What's wrong with it? Well, nothing at all if we were evolved. But if we came from God, if God made us, then you have somebody you have to answer to. Then you're in trouble on the day of judgment. And people in this country got sick and tired of hearing that. They got tired of seeing the Ten Commandments up on the walls when they went in to the courtrooms. So they had those taken down. You see, man's just desperate to get away from God. Man imagines that he has no sin or that it's not as bad as what it really is. But God, the God who made us, He made us in His image, although we lost that image after the fall, and now we're in the fallen image of Adam. But He made us in His image, and that means that we have an awareness that He's there. We know it in our heart of hearts whether we try to imagine that he's not. If we confess our sins, look what it says. He is faithful and just to forgive us. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you think it is. I don't care how many times you have done it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, he's faithful First time you come to God by faith in Jesus Christ, just admitting you're a sinner and saying, I don't want to go to hell when I die, and I know I deserve it, but I want to be forgiven. And I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my living Savior and Lord. First time you do that, God take you just like that and cancel out all your sin. Clear it all. And you are declared not guilty for the rest of your life. Not guilty. Now, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? But to do it, you've got to admit, acknowledge your sin, and turn from it. 
That's the catch. That's what keeps people, uh, okay, I know I'm wrong. I know I'm a sinner. God has convicted me of it. But I've got to turn from that. And that's what keeps people from coming to Jesus Christ for salvation. They don't want to turn. They think there's something out there for them. They think there's some good things out there. And they don't know that it's going to hurt and it's going to fall apart. And the fun only lasts for a little while. And they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt others around them. And they don't know that. They think that there's nothing but fun out there and a party. So they don't turn. But those who do turn, he says he's faithful and he's just. Now those words mean something. So I just want to say something about just. God is just. Now think about it for just a second. I'll go to a Bible illustration that you know that I love, and it's because the modern Bible perverts don't think that it belongs in your Bible. It's the woman that was taken in adultery. I love that story because I identify with it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the Lord, like I feel like a bunch of people took me and tried to condemn me and uh, look on me like, I was just another failure and another sinner. And, and, uh, and then when, they, when I came to Jesus, he looked at me and said, I don't condemn you. You know, when that woman was taken in adul- adultery, she was committing something that the Old Testament said was worthy of death. She should have been stoned to death. So what you're supposed to do is the person who found the person in adultery was supposed to take uh, the woman and the man. The man was not brought because they were hypocrites, they were supposed to bring them before the congregation. Everyone who was aware of this or saw it was supposed to put their hands on them. And uh, they're supposed to be the first ones to throw the stones. And then everybody else in the congregation picks up a stone and chucks it at that guilty person until they bleed out. You see, their body is broken and they die a horrible, painful death to make them an example before everybody else. You know why that's the case? Because God hates sin. Because God will judge sin. Because sin will be punished. And that would definitely keep the crime rate down. So this woman is brought before Jesus, but now we're, we're going to go into a New Testament age of grace. And she's brought before Jesus, and uh, they're all going to try to catch him, you know. And um, Jesus looks at this woman... And you know how he deals with the crowd. I won't tell the whole story. But the end of the story is Jesus looks down at this broken woman before him. And he sees in her a woman who's sorry for her sins. And he looks down at her and he says, uh, where are your accusers? By that time they'd all cleared out because he dealt with their hypocrisy. And uh, she said, uh, and he says, does any man accuse you? And she said, no man, Lord. And he says, uh, neither do I accuse you and condemn you. Neither do I. Those are wonderful words, folks. Jesus looked at that woman and forgave her sins because he was the Son of God and he can forgive sins. He forgave her sins. Now you say, but that's not right. The, the law says she's guilty. Yeah, that's right. The law says that if I'm a liar, I'm guilty and I'm going to go into the lake of fire. That's what the law says. I'm guilty. But what grace says... And what Jesus says because of the cross is that God can be just, can be right in forgiving sin even though if the law condemns us. You know how that is? God can be just in forgiving sins, a holy God, because 
He's letting us go unpunished. You understand that? I get to go free unpunished. And so do you if you'll come to Jesus Christ by faith. How can God do that and be just? And the answer is in Calvary. The answer is the cross. It's because Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, one day in eternity, which is kind of an oxymoron, but at, at a moment in eternity, Jesus stood up and volunteered and said, I will go. I will go, and I will be a sacrifice to pay for their sins. And so he came into this world. He hung on that cross. He bled and died, and for a period of six hours... While he was on that cross, it was darkness upon the face of the earth, and he was paying for our sins and suffering for our sins. He suffered all the hell that you deserve, and God accepted it as a payment in your place if you'll take it. God says, I will allow Jesus to be punished instead of you. You see, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He was made sin on that cross and he died and punished and was punished under the wrath of Almighty God for your sin and for my sin. And by the way, that keeps us from wanting to use this as a license to sin. We don't want to use grace as a license to sin. Let me put it to you like this and I'll give you an illustration and we'll close. What you're dealing with is you're dealing with a God of justice, okay? That means that a man was caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day in the Old Testament and was stoned to death to make an example out of him. You're dealing with a God of justice. If you disobey his word, you pay for it with your life. A God of justice. This is the God who flooded the world to destroy the race and start back over with Noah. I'm telling you, if you want to play games with him and you think it'll be overlooked when you reach the day of judgment, you will be severely disappointed. You better get it settled now. Get it under the blood. Come to God. Confess your sins to Him and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is a God of justice. Over here, you've got a God of mercy. A God of mercy. The, the God that would look at a woman taken in adultery and say, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Now, how can, the, how can God's justice and God's mercy forgiving you, letting you go, go unpunished for your sin. How can those be brought together? The answer is grace. Justice and mercy kissed at the cross and provided grace. That is free, unmerited favor. That's what you need to get into heaven. The free, unmerited favor of God. You see... I heard an old illustration uh, about a woman who went into a local store in her village and it sounded like it took place during the Depression and kind of reminded me of the country store down here with Grandpa that used to work in there, I've been told about. And um, she went into this store every day and she didn't have money, but she was a trusted customer, but times were hard and so the storekeeper would tell her, that's okay, I'll just put it on your bill. That's okay. And he kept a ledger, and every time she came in and she needed things for her family, he'd write it down on her ledger. And after a while, she realized, I've really got to be racking up a bill here. So she went in there to talk to him, and she said, how much do I owe now? And he told her, and she just 
stepped back and, and sighed, and she thought, oh my, I am really in debt, and she was a, a, a good moral woman, you know, and she thought, I don't keep large debts with people, and I pay my debts and these kind of things, so she told him, she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay that off, I don't know how, but I'm going to pay that off, and I'm sorry about that, and you know, the next time she came into the store, that, uh, that shop owner, he said, hey, uh, you know your bill, he said, um, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And she said, what are you talking about? She said, you don't have to, he said, you don't have to worry about it. And he showed her the ledger book, and it had all been crossed out with red lines. All those items crossed out. He said, you're, you're even. And she said, what happened? He said, you just don't have to worry about it. So she went home and talked to her husband. She said, I don't know what happened, but our bill, our, our debt has been canceled out. And the husband said, I, I know what happened. And she said, what, what do you mean? And he said, the shop owner, he paid your bill. And she said, no, you don't think so. Yeah, he, he paid your bill. I've heard about it. And you see, that's exactly what happens with us. Our heavenly shop owner, we've been in debt with him because of our sin. And if you'll come to him by faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? He'll take your list with your name on it and all the sins that you've committed against him that are worthy of punishment. You're in debt, man. You'll never be able to get paid off. We we sin against God in thought, word, and deed daily, hourly. If you take your life from the time that you are aware of your sin, the difference between right and wrong, and you added up all your sins and thought, words, and deeds just in hours for your entire life, and let's say you live to your 70, you've sinned so much against God, you'll never be able to make up for that. You understand. Never. There's only one way is to come to Jesus Christ confessing, admitting, acknowledging your sin and your guilt. And if you do that, he says he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just cancel it out. Amen? Cancel it out. And there you go. And as believers, you know what we do? We use 1 John 1, 9 every day. We use that and we trust that promise that he's faithful and just. No matter how many times I've got to confess it, he's still faithful still just. He's faithful, folks, even when we're not faithful. He's faithful. So if you come up to him right now, you come to the altar today and you say, God, I'm coming to you, this faithful God, and I'm, I want to get it settled. I want you to cancel out my sin. I want it under the blood, and I'm going to stop playing games. Let's go ahead and stand with our head bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe as a believer here today, uh, you'd say, I just need to come and just get everything cleared and, and set things right with God. I've been crossways with God or I've been out of fellowship. and uh, You might say I've been backslidden on God and today I just want to come and I just want to get it settled. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. This is how the invitation is going to go today. I don't know who might need this today. But if you know, I've, I've just never done it. I have never gotten down on my knees and prayed to God, confessing my sins and asking Jesus Christ to cancel them out. I've never just asked Jesus to be my Savior and forgive me of my sins. Today I want to do that. If that's you, I want to invite you just to come down right now. Just come right now. We're going to sing a song. And if God's, if God's got His finger on you, just come down. Somebody will be here to pray with you. I'll pray with you. And you, just the first step, that's the hardest one to take. Take that first step and just come down here. Ask somebody to come with you. 
you can get it settled. And brother or sister, let's, let's keep using 1 John 1, 9 to keep things clear and stay clean with God and stay in fellowship with Him. Lord, I pray that You'd bless this invitation and I thank You so much. God, uh, I thank You for the way that Your grace brought Your mercy and Your justice together, that justice was served at Calvary for all who will come to, to Jesus by faith. And it can be taken care of there. In Jesus' name, amen.